new concepts and ideas to help you reach your full potential. morning everybody and welcome back man i am fired up this week are you i am there's so much going on right now i told you guys i was excited to get back into 2017 and you know without any action that's just false energy maybe yep or or fooling myself into thinking that something great might happen without uh without any action tied to it right but it's been a very productive week so far and you are taking action and I am taking action because I'm a take action kind of guy. Good, good, good. I should do voiceovers. No, nah, that wouldn't be good. So <laughs> In the world. In the world. <laughs> ESPN. <laughs> hey, so welcome back, guys. We're so glad to have you guys with us. Uh, we've got a lot of great information to share with you today as far as motivation to work when you don't feel like working and also around multitasking, which is kind of like a purple dragon, right? Yep. Or whatever. It's a myth. It's a myth. (laughs) That's what I meant to say. It's not a thing. Yeah, I got the Bulletproof Coffee here ready to rock and roll. And I've got Tom Rath's book, Strength Finders 2.0. Finally got my hands on this from uh, somebody in my office. And I've just heard so many good things about this. Tom Rath has two of my favorite books out there. Are You Fully Charged, which I would recommend to everyone in a highly active role or that has to be just up, up, up all day long. Are You Fully Charged? And then also... Eat, Move, Sleep. Those are both two great books by Tom Rath. But this one, Strength Finders 2.0, which has a ton of talk about it out there from people saying that you've got to try it or you should try it. I always try to go and read summaries online before I go and grab a book because I want to test it and vet it out before I even get my hands on it. I don't want to waste time. There's not a lot of summaries on this one out there. Uh, But I've heard so many people say good things about it. So I'd encourage you guys to get Strength Finders 2.0 by Tom Rath. Go check that out. Also, I wanted to remind you guys for Organifi's Green Juice. Organifi's Green Juice Powder. I had a couple of guys tell me this week that the promo code SUCCESS101 was not working over on Organifi. And so I contacted the people over at Organifi, and they said, well, there's two different websites, but probably what's happening is they're capitalizing the S in success. So if you guys want 20% off your green juice powder, which who doesn't, right? Uh, then I would say go over to success. The easiest way to do this is go to success101podcast.com forward slash green juice. That'll take you to the right site, which is organifyshop.com. But success101podcast.com forward slash green juice. And then when you get to the checkout, put in success101, all lowercase. And it should work. So if you do anything uppercase, it's not going to work. But I had a lot of people contact me this week saying that they were going to go get their own order of that. What's the discount? 20%. 20%. 20% off. So That's awesome. Wanted to tell you guys about that and uh, a lot of great stuff coming up on the Success 101 podcast, including today, guys. Tune back in today at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm going to have my good friend Michael McGreevy, who is a, uh, a leadership and a life coach and all kinds of things, uh, telling guys about things we need to know. But his big deal is success starts at home. And so I'm really excited to hear his message a little bit later today, but that'll be 2.30 p.m. today. And if you're catching this after the live airing of this, it all of this will be linked up on my blog or on Facebook. We've also got Periscope running this morning on Twitter while that website's still around. We'll, we'll catch some videos <laughs> over there on it. So, so we'll catch Periscope. We got Periscope and Twitter running. We got Facebook Live running. But all of this will go to my blog over at success101podcast.com forward slash blog. 
or you can catch it on Twitter or Facebook. Hey, what's that on your socks? You got a boat down there? Man, yeah, I, sailboats. I, just, I love sailboats. Sailboats. I love sailing. I love boats and blue water, man. Have you sailed? Uh, yeah, I've got my sailing certification, and I was going to go back and get my coastal navigation sailing certification. No way. And then we had our second child, and uh, I really haven't done anything since then. Jared, that's incredible. Yeah. I had no idea. That's awesome. There's probably a lot about me you don't know. <laughs> Probably should keep it that way, too. A lot of it probably don't want you to know about me. Oh, Uh, man. No, I love boats and blue water. I love the Caribbean. I love, uh, man, all of that gets me excited. Katie's a mountains person. She loves mountains and, you know, going up and starting a big fire in a lodge somewhere and just being up in the mountains, sipping some coffee or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, man, give me a beach and give me uh, a sailboat to go be on. And and that's where my happy place is here. That's awesome. Here on on this planet. I spent an hour on the phone last night eight o'clock at night with our travel agency trying to book a, a beach trip for April. So I'm nice. I'm, where are you I'm guys going? We're going to Mexico. Nice. It'd be a nice little family vacation. I got a fun little story to kick us off. Oh, I can't wait for this. Uh, um, Another fun story from you. So went into the, the dentist, went to see my dentist on Tuesday morning, Tuesday, brought my wife in. We were just going to go in for a tooth cleaning, teeth cleaning, not one tooth, but all the teeth. <laughs> One um, dirty one. Yeah, just I try the to one. On one tooth, so it just <laughs> kind of cuts down on all that. So we uh, we go in for a teeth cleaning, and my dentist looks at my my scans and he says, "You know, Jordan, we should pull this tooth out." And I said, "Okay." And he says, "Do you have time?" And I said, hey, I would Wait. never, I would never trust a dentist that looks in my mouth and says, "Hey, you're here for a cleaning." You know what? <laughs> and we're gonna pull a tooth. I'd be like, dude, you better get away from me. <laughs> well, this guy's a great guy, and he's from LSU, you know, and I'm from LSU. and Especially an LSU friends. guy that wants to pull out my teeth. <laughs> no thanks. So he says, we should probably pull this tooth out. And I said, okay, you know, I, I agree. We probably should. And he says, do you have time today? And I said, what? <laughs> and he says, seriously, can you clear your calendar? You're because like, bro, I, I didn't build that out. into my to-do list today. <laughs> exactly. My success list does not have pulling teeth as part of it. Sorry. He says, I can probably pull it out in a half hour. He says, the only drawback is uh, you may not want to work the rest of the day. Um, but, you know, he says, it probably won't be that painful. You might even be able to go back to work. I said, let's roll. Man, I can't. You're Knocked a lot more out. even keel about that than I am. I cannot imagine somebody telling me that and me just doing it and going, all right, let's just do it. Let's get it knocked well, out. Well, the incredible thing is that this office is just like the staff is so sweet. They were holding my baby the whole time. Just had a really great feel. And the, and the dentist is a guy that I like and I trust. And so if you are in the North Dallas area, you need to go see this guy. If you, if you don't have a dentist that you like or that you trust, uh, Matt Parker, Valley Creek Dental Care. Really awesome. It's a good experience. But just be prepared that if you go on a really busy day and you're like, I'm just going to get a teeth cleaning, <laughs> that he might tell you you need to pull a tooth. Who knows? I don't know. Who knows? And you may need one. That's right. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about multitasking just sort of in, in the last few episodes. I don't think we've ever really dove into the weeds on multitasking. But the thought process is we live in a world where multitasking is such a thing Yes. You know, we're watching television and we're on Facebook. Or we're. Or not a thing. It is not a thing. And that's what I'm getting at. We're watching television and playing on Facebook. Or um, we're at work and we have 15 windows open and and six tasks going at the same time. There's a whole lot of research that says that it's just not a thing. Right. That our brains are not meant to do two things at once, they're designed to do one thing effectively well. To that, I mean, we can do two non-meaningful task at the same time, right? Like you said in a couple episodes back, chewing gum 
and walking, that's two things we could do at once. But anything that takes our brain power and our energy, uh, we're not going to be effective if we're doing two things at once. So one thing that is interesting is anytime that we send an email or we receive an email, text message, Twitter feed, that we, we send that stuff out, we get a, a just a little hit of dopamine in our brains. And so that is, that's sort of the, the reward serum in our brains for, hey, you've done a good thing. You've done a good task. And this article says that that creates a feedback loop of, you know, I'm doing good work when I'm sending four or five emails at a time, or I'm sending out a, a few tweets or uh, maybe a, a couple rapid fire text messages. Problem with that, the idea here is we're not actually doing anything critical. Not, nothing's critical thinking. And it tricks our brain and to think that we're doing a ton, but what's actually happening is it's increasing our stress level. And so we're not getting any meaningful tasks done. And in the meantime, our stress level is increasing. Yeah, because I think it's the biggest, just the biggest myth out there. I mean, I, I would think that, right? If we didn't yep. do all the reading and studying that we do, whether it's preparing for this podcast or just in our, you know, just in our own life. But I, you know, I heard that a while back that multitasking is a myth. As you said, multitasking is killing your brain. Dave Asprey from the Bulletproof Radio podcast this week or, or last week just put out a podcast that said, Something like, do you, you want to uh, blame bad decisions or have something to blame bad decisions on? Blame dopamine. Wow. And so I think that can be a double-edged sword. I think uh, dopamine can be really, really good. If you harness it. If you harness it. But I would say maybe what I'm learning is it's got to be in small dosages. Because what dopamine does for me is it makes me get excited about things too many times and too often that I shouldn't be diving into, whether it's emails, whether it's checking things off a list. Again, it's just that false smokescreen of, man, I'm knocking stuff out. I'm being super productive. But let's take inventory of that. Maybe we are, maybe we aren't. So I would say for those of you out there, if you're thinking about this as multitasking or you know, really what, what most people in the research world today call it is just task switching. You're yep. just task switching. And you're not allowed or you're not allowing yourself, I should say, to really get into deep work habits in the way that you could if you weren't, you know, if you weren't doing it that way. Oh, yeah. They say some studies say that it reduces your IQ level while you're multitasking by about 10 points. And they say that for men, it could even reduce it by as much as 15 points. So the idea is you go back to an eighth grade reasoning level. By, by multitasking. Isn't so, that insane? But what about days I feel like I'm on an eighth grade level Just and I'm life. not doing anything but <laughs> sitting there in the chair? Because those days happen as well, right? Oh, that's so true. So, so it's interesting. So what do, we, what do we do with that, basically? I mean, if, if, if we are in highly active roles every day, but yet these researchers are telling us, hey, you can't multitask. It's not even a real thing. I guess there's two options that we could do on that. We could either push back on it and go, man, I'm I'm great at multitasking. I'm not going to buy into this. Or we could use it for research and testing it on our, in our own lives. I always tell people we've got, to be, we've got to be in the lab of our own lives. We've got to put on the white coat and the goggles with anything and say, look, I'm just testing. Yep. Failure, let's test it. Perceived failure, let's test it. Multitasking, people are saying it's not a real thing. We can't do it. Let's test it. What yep. are your thoughts on that? Is it a real thing to you? Is it a myth? My thoughts are, I'm, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir because I think that I'm a good multitasker. I think, man, I've been... You in know, your I've, current state I've, or after doing uh, a little research on it? No. I mean, just in my current state. Like I just, I'm of the mindset that I'm a good multitasker. I grew up in a world where we had computers in our house and, you know, it was a, it was a thing to be distracted. 
And the reality is there's a whole lot of research that tells me I'm wrong. I do know that I feel like I have become way more ADD in the last five years or maybe even the last three years because of the way that I'm trying to do too many things at once. And when I find that I'm the most effective is when I have one desktop icon open or I've got, you know, one task at hand and nothing else distracting me. That's when I get the most done. I mean, it's, it is a dramatic amount of difference when I'm not worried about emails. I'm not worried about text messages. I'm just focused in on the meeting at hand. Right? Yeah. So what do, we, what do we do with that? Well, one of the ideas they said is if, if emails are a distraction for you, and this is just one example, they said, set yourself a limit to where you only check your email three times a day. The average person, the average worker spends 28% of their day checking email. I don't, I, I'm I assuming. Assume, I, I would have thought it would be way higher. So that's, that's not even sending emails. That is just checking email. <laughs> 28% of your day is just checking email. Just having, knowing that, you know, consciously knowing that you have an email in your inbox, just knowing it's there or a text message in your phone that has not been responded to raises your stress level and, and reduces your, your IQ. I cannot leave a, an app unchecked. Like, you know, if I've got five emails in my inbox, I'm going through them real quick because I just don't want it. I don't want to see an icon of five or 15. The people that have 2,000 unread emails drive me insane. To me, it doesn't make any sense. But I think it's a good reminder to say, you know what? There's a time and a place for this. And I can be a whole lot more effective if I devote one hour in, at 7 a.m. to checking email. Yeah. And then 20 minutes at you know, noon to check my email and then another one hour at 5 p.m. to check my email. Right. Yeah, so th- this hits close to home for me because uh, you guys may remember on a couple of podcasts ago, I mentioned the app Rescue Time. Have you downloaded that, by the way? I have not. I'm going to have to hold you accountable. Okay, good. I downloaded Rescue Time. I saw that 40-something percent of my time, uh, or maybe this, I'm, I'm sorry, maybe this was actually on Harvest, the little time tracking app where I start little timers and things like that. It was one of those where it showed that I was in Outlook or I was checking my emails 40, it was like, it was really high. It was like 41 or 48% of the time. And I told my staff, checking I said, emails? well, just in my emails, sending, checking, no scanning. Way. Yeah. And so I felt it. I, I really felt it. And when I saw the number, I was like, this is not, this is not good. This doesn't work. So I called my staff in for a meeting and we needed a meeting anyway, but it was strictly for the point of talking about helping me stay out of my email. So we set up a system. This may, may be good for you guys out there as well. Uh, we set up a system to where my staff now is very conscious of the fact that my emails are important, but important for me to stay out of as well. So what we do is we have a separate folder that's set up in Outlook, and it said Jared to review, I believe. I should know. I look at it every day, but I just know where it is on my Outlook. (laughs) And they only put the things in there that are extremely important or could be important for me to review, and I don't have to look at anything else. And so instead of getting 100 emails or more, probably more every day, I'm getting probably 30 that really need my attention. And I only go in there and check those about three or four times a day. That's a great idea. So I'm checking them three or four times a day. And I could even check them more probably if I wanted to, because when I go into that folder, I'm going to find a very select number of emails, but they're all something that need my attention pretty immediately. So that's helped us tremendously to stay out of, for me to stay out of my emails. So your staff filters those emails for you. Yep, they read every one of them. My, that is my guy, great. Andy, he used to have a reminder set up that every hour he would go in and check my messages. And now he just, he's on top of it. He goes, he just has it pulled up kind of in a separate window over there. And when he sees the number of unread messages in my inbox, my particular inbox starts climbing, 
that's time for him to go in there and check them, and he's shooting them out. Now, my concern for him is he's checking my emails, he's checking his emails, and he also sometimes has to check other staff members that I have who are out on certain things, you know, doing things. My concern for him is that he will end up where I was, and that is staying too too long in emails. Yeah. So I'm I'm I don't know if coaching him through that's the right word, but I think the most important thing is just helping him understand that hey, we both have to stay out of these as much as possible. Yeah. The myth is business equals importance. Everybody thinks, oh, if I'm busy or if I'm playing office, then I'm getting stuff done. Yeah. And and it, and the thing is, it's not just a thought. You feel that way too. You do. It's it's too. Like I said, it's a, it's dopamine's kind of this two-edged sword. It can be really good if harnessed in small doses. It can be really bad if not harnessed in larger doses. But also this whole multitasking or time management thing can be really critical for you guys to figure out this year if you're not uh, great at it or you've been poor at it simply because not only does it waste a lot of your time and it's not real, but it's one of the few things, I mean, just here on the fly, I'm not, I'm not thinking through it clearly maybe, but it's one of the few things out there that gives you not only this false perception that you can do it, when maybe you can't, but also makes you feel really productive yep. when you're not. I mean, I can't think of too many things out there that make me feel like it's real when it's not, but then also in the moment make me feel super productive and then only get to the end of the day and realize I, I got 30% of the way of where I was trying to get to. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. Business equals importance. That's the myth. The, the truth is business equals cognitive overload. Like we said, your brains are not designed to run on two tracks, right? We're designed to do one thing at a time. Switching back and forth makes us tired, less efficient, and error-prone. When we settle in, put distracting devices aside, and do one thing at a time, we worry less about keep me, keeping up with time, and that's the exact opposite of busy. And then the second myth is doing nothing is a waste of time. The truth is our brains benefit when we waste time. So one of the things that they recommend is not trying to, you know, while you're stuffing your face, eating lunch or eating dinner, not trying to put your face in front of a TV screen or in front of your iPhone screen at the same time. Yeah, I was wondering if I just heard you right on that. You said the truth is our brains something when we waste time. Our brains... Our brains benefit. Our brains benefit when we we waste time. I thought yes. maybe you misspoke, but based yeah. on that comment you just said, I think you were saying, yeah, that's saying it. that correctly. Yeah, to disconnect is actually a good thing for your brain to recharge. So it's downtime. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. You know, we, you talked about the the Apple Watch a while back. It reminds you to breathe. It reminds you whatever. Uh, last year, that was something I was really trying to do. I set three reminders on my phone last year that at different times of the day just remind me that no matter what I was doing, to push back and just breathe. Yeah, don't, you don't have to get up. You don't have to do it. Just just push back in your chair if you have a standing desk like I do. Just just walk to the other side of the office and just breathe. And it's amazing. Your parasympathetic nervous system is reset. Your cognitive functions are reset to where now they're peaking. I just think there's a lot of benefit to that. Yeah. I mean, when's the last time you just sat, you know, in your car and you just, you know, stared out the window and you you weren't focused on listening to a podcast or or reading a book or, you know, you're just like sitting and, and staring at the at the skyline. Like, uh, can you remember was, the last time? Well, I was probably in a car seat the last time I did that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I, the same way. Like, I don't, I can't remember when I did that. Yeah. I think it's, it's powerful. I'm, I'm sort of of the mindset. Any time that I have, I'm going to be as effective and as intentional as I can be. Um, but sometimes we're tricking ourselves. You know, sometimes I'm tricking myself into thinking that I'm being productive when really I'm just doing, you know, busy work. Yeah. So I think the takeaways for me on this, uh, just to, to close the loop on it, is basically somewhere along the lines of multitasking is really task switching. Yep. If we can get, uh, I mentioned last podcast, uh, Cal Newport's book, Deep Work. He talks a lot about this in there. 
multitasking and the myth and all those sort of things. I'd, I'd encourage you guys to go get Cal Newport's book called Deep Work. It's, it's phenomenal. But it talks a lot about if we can get all the distractions pushed away, if we can get the multitasking whatever out of our mind where we know that it's not a real thing, we're focusing on one thing at a time, those compounding effects of being in deep work for 30, 45, 50, 60 minutes at a time and then taking a break. If we went through the the entire week and graded ourselves on the amount of deep work that actually happened during those times... That, that we were not distracted, we were not multitasking, we didn't allow ourselves to think that that was a real thing that we could do. The, the compounding effect of that is just phenomenal. And he goes into that in his book. And so I'd encourage you guys on that out there is if you're like I am this year that you just realize there's too much stuff going on. There's too many apps. There's too many emails. There's too many notes. There's too many pings and dings and correspondence and all of that is good. Those are good things. I think a lot of times our society is like, oh, all those notifications and it's like kind of looked at as a negative thing, but it's because of how we're treating it. I think all those things are good. I think keeping people connected on social media, text messages, those sort of things, that's a great thing. Agreed. But are you doing it during times that you should be in deep work? You're not putting your phone on do not disturb mode like you should be. You're thinking multitasking is okay, so you're doing two or three things at once and thinking you're being super productive. I would just tell you guys for 2017, try to shift that and try to change that because I don't think it works. Agreed. Yeah, it's a, it's a mindset change for us, not just for listeners. Absolutely. And uh, I would tell you guys, it's, it goes a lot into working where most of us listening in on this podcast or watching this podcast on Facebook Live or Twitter, um, you're in highly active roles. That's probably why you tuned in. And so we want to bring you guys the best content we possibly can, because that's what you deserve. If you're going to spend your time tuning into us, we owe that to you, right? I think a lot of these things that seem simple or seem uh, just a little inconsequential, our hope is that you go back and you really dissect those. You mentioned on a podcast, a couple of uh, this, this past podcast, you said, my fear is that people hear this knowledge that we put out and don't do anything with it. And you said yourself, mm-hmm. admittedly, you've done that a lot before. Oh, yeah. Okay. So probably in this next week, uh, the next live episode that we do, my goal on this is going to be to uh, have an entire episode about just being more essentialism or minimalist. Greg McCown has a great book called Essentialism and how we can do way more with very little. James Altucher has this rule in his life where he only owns 15 objects. And if he goes and buys a new shirt, he has to get rid of one of his objects. No way. 15? 15. He did an episode recently with Lewis Howes over on the School of Greatness podcast. I would encourage you guys to go check that out. But he talks about his life and why he chose to do that and gave away everything and just how much more he gets done now. He's started several businesses, multi-billion dollar businesses, and just says, look, man, there's no way Knowing myself, there's no way I could think the way that I do and get in periods of deep thought if I owned more stuff. That really gets me excited. I, I want to bring that, that to you guys this next wild. week on minimalism, just getting rid of the apps, getting rid of all the notes, getting rid of all the noise in your face to where we can be better this year. And I don't know that you have to take it that extreme and go down and only own 15 things. I mean, that kind of stresses me out just thinking about it, right? <laughs> all the stuff You're that I... probably wearing 15 yeah, things right now. Oh, my now. gosh. Yeah, that's right. I um, think I am. A pin, a watch, a ring, a, 
yeah. those shoes. So, uh, so yeah, so, so we want to bring that to you guys next time. But it reminds me about getting into work when you don't feel like getting into work. And I think we've all been there before. I think some of the most motivated people out there would say that they have trouble working sometimes, right? I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, hey, I just have trouble getting into deep work or I have trouble just being on all the time. There's a lot of research out there on putting off work when you really should be getting into it, but you just don't want to and wanted to share that with you guys this morning. But I would say the first reason that researchers or people out there would say that you're putting something off is that you're afraid that you might screw it up. We've talked about that a lot in our business before, how someone, especially a newer financial advisor, is scared to call the big prospect or scared to call even a close friend and talk to them about financial stuff because that's just a sensitive subject, right? Uh, But you're putting something off because you're afraid that you might screw it up. And what I read recently could really help with that. It's, It's to adopt what they call a prevention focus. So there's two different routes on this that we can go is we can adopt a prevention focus or we can adopt a promotion focus. And I've never really thought about it this way before, but it's definitely something that I'm going to use with my coaching clients and the the advisors here in this office. A prevention focus, if you think about it that way, we're basically not getting into deep work because we're looking at tasks completely wrong. We can do something because we see it as a way to end up better off than we are now, you know, an achievement or an accomplishment or something like that. As in, you know, an example might be, hey, if I complete this project successfully, I will impress my clients or I will impress, for those of you out there who have bosses, I will impress my boss. Or if I work regularly and work harder than other people, then it's going to look really good to those who are on my team or, or notice that, maybe some recognition there that you're, that you're looking at, right? But that's a promotion focus, And we need to stay away from that because we're working for the wrong reasons. If you're always chasing after doing deep work because of what someone else might recognize or what someone else might see in that, that motivation does not last very long. Uh, Steve Weatherford, I had Steve Weatherford on my podcast several episodes ago. Gosh, it seems like a long, long time ago now. And it's one of the quotes that I posted on social media several weeks later where he said in there, and I didn't notice it at the time, but he said it. He said, if you're and I'm, I'm going to butcher it a little bit here, but he said, if your main motivation and main goals are set up to impress other people or chase after other people's opinion of you, that motivation is not long lasting. You have to get yourself into a position to where you're doing things because you want to do them for your own personal reasons, regardless of what anyone else thinks about it. Okay. So this we, goes back to your why. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and we've got to get out of the promotion focus and we've got to get into the prevention focus, okay? Instead of feeling like how we can end up better off, we've got to see the task as a way to hang on to what we already have. So whatever it is that we're creating in our life, for those reasons, that's why we need to hang on to it. Successfully, for somebody that's prevention focused, right? Successfully completing a project is a way to keep somebody from being angry or thinking less of you. Working out regularly as a way to not let yourself go for some people out there. And so I don't know if you see the subtle difference there, but it is a promotion focus, which leads you to always chasing after something, Mm. or it's a prevention focus to say, look, I'm confident in where I am and where I'm going. Let's do things that I need to do to stay on the track Mm. that I'm on right now and not chasing after something or not getting derailed in that. So I'd encourage you. So what about the listeners that do not feel like they've arrived as as successful right like to me this sounds it sounds great I, I understand it right you know be confident in who you are you know don't feel like you have to prove yourself just work hard and you know stay on the track that you're already on right, right? 
Um, what about the listeners that don't feel like they're on the right track? Yeah. So I would say for a lot of you out there, and this could get into just confidence and we could do you know a whole other podcast on that as well. But I think it just comes down to looking at where each of us are. We've talked about it many times that you're probably a lot further along in, in the things and your knowledge and the things that you're creating and building than we even give ourselves credit for. And I think that's because most of us are chasing after that promotion cause. It's always the chase, the chase, the chase. And while that can be exciting, And bettering ourselves is always good, right? Don't get me wrong. But I think looking at our lives and the gratitude you talked about last time, realizing where we are and that we're likely a lot further along. Now we're nowhere near our peak earning years, right? As young people, hopefully, right? (laughs) Otherwise we're doing something wrong. Nowhere near our peak earning years, Lord willing. We've got a, a big future ahead of us, right? So you always want to improve and grow. But I'm saying just today in the state that you're in now and what you've built and created, even if you don't feel like that's monumental, we want to make sure that we're working in this prevention-focused state, a little bit of a healthy fear of if I don't do the right things, I'm going to get off track or I'm going to be on a different focus versus the promotion That makes state. sense. Because then you're always working to please everyone else yep. is really what it comes down to. I'm working to please everyone else. I'm working to promote myself. I'm working and, – and some people are going to hear this and go, well, hey, in business, promotion is good. That's what we all work for. But I think we're also seeing a lot of the ways that we work out there is not right. It's not correct. People also think multitasking is the right way to go, right? I can get more done if I multitask and it's not even real. So I'd encourage you guys to uh, do a little bit more digging in on that for yourself. We can only cover so much in a podcast here, right? Another reason that people may not be feeling motivated to work is, you know, this. it sounds silly, but it's just the simple fact that they're putting stuff off because they don't feel like doing it. Yeah, That's a big thing with the millennial generation. It's a lot about feelings and emotions rather than hardcore principles that we've learned and getting up and doing things, whether you feel like it or not. Millionaires, billionaires, people that give TED Talks and write books and do podcasts and do all these great things that we're learning from and mentoring, they're having us somehow mentor us each day and we're taking their knowledge. You know, they tell you all the time, look, it doesn't really matter how you feel. My success has come because no matter how I felt, I got up and did the process. So I think if you're talking about feelings, a lot of it is just looking at the outcome and saying, man, I, I know what happened the last time I called that big prospect. I know what happened the last time I tried this. It didn't feel very good. So eh, I'll, go, I'll go do something else, right? They're not looking at the process. Mm-hmm. Process takes feelings out of the equation. And so I'd encourage that for you guys, just like I, I encourage the financial advisors here in my office, look at the process. Don't look at the outcome. I love that. My dad growing up used to say, don't be ruled by your emotions. That stuck with me my whole life. I think that's such a strong phrase. Do not be ruled by your emotions. Boy, that's so key when it comes to our profession with investors as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we have to, for lack of a better word, save our clients from themselves. So much of investing, so much of the decisions people make are not based on fact. They're not based on data. Now, the market could go down and you could say, well, that's a fact. The market's down. That's data. Yep. But what I'm saying is, does that mean you need to pull all of your money over into cash? Or does that mean you need to go from an aggressive portfolio into a balanced or conservative? There's no fact behind that just because the market went yep. down, right? So we have to save our investors from their own emotional state sometime. But, but it's that whole feeling, okay? So we've got to ignore our feelings, which is easier said than done. done. Uh, that's something, I mean, the, the advice your dad gave you is great. But I think if we're not reminding ourselves constantly of that, it, it won't mean a lot yep. in, you know, in our lives. So another big reason out there that some of you guys, and I hear, I hear from listeners calling in on the podcast or writing in and those sort of things just all the time, which is great feedback for me, 
about motivation, especially here at the end of the year, why people are motivated or not motivated and what they're trying to overcome. But a lot of it is just mindset. Something is hard, something is boring, something is unpleasant, which again could go back to the feelings, right? But that's why a lot of us are not getting into this deep work effort because we're not doing things that seem boring or dull or unpleasant. Yep. And all business is not roses, right? So one of the strategies that I heard recently is to make an if-then plan if you're having trouble getting into this deep work, okay? It's also deciding where and when you will take on certain projects that you know will move the needle throughout the day, okay? So one example would be, hey, if it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, then I'm going to stop what I'm doing and work on this other thing that I've got to get done. And I've done that before where I would say, man, if I don't get on this thing by 3 o'clock today, it will not be ready at 10 a.m. for my meeting tomorrow. I just know it won't. It, it won't. So I would tell my staff, block this thing off as if it's a meeting on my calendar and I have to do it. So it's the if then. So if it's 2 p.m., if it's 3 p.m., if it's whatever, then I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to work on this task. Okay. If someone has a deadline for me to work on, if that happens, I'm not going to wait to a certain point and put it off and not be prepared. So it's this if-then statement that a lot of you guys need to lock in. And research would tell you that applying the if-then principle like I did on my calendar, set it up as if it's an actual meeting on the calendar, even though it's just a task that I have to do, I'm going to treat it as important as an actual meeting, uh, increases your productivity by 200 to 300% in several research studies that they conducted out there. No way. So just think about it. I mean, it's these little silly things that we're not even thinking about out there, but it's the if then statement uh, is going to make you a lot more productive. How do you think that goes into some of the things we talk about with time blocking, those sort of things? I mean, have you implemented something like that in your practice or anything that's helped you to realize the consequences and realize what needs to happen? And then you saw direct productivity from it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've told listeners before, I live and die by my calendar. And so I know that if something gets moved on my calendar, then that means it's time for me to, to call clients and to call prospects, right? And so my if then is if a meeting moves, then it's time for me to pick up the phone. Right. If then. And I think it's powerful. I, I, I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So again, just little things like this, guys, that we can implement. So just to kind of recap on that, I think, you know, getting into deep work. And so, you know, again, the hard part about some of this stuff we talked about on the podcast is it seems very rational. It seems very logical. I've read a ton of stuff in books and heard things on podcasts before. And I'm like, oh, man, that's so simple. Why didn't I think of that? I'm going to start utilizing that right now. And then I get into the office and realize, man, this is actually, I was, I was maybe kidding myself a little bit. Though it's rational, though it's logical, it's hard to implement. Like it's, you know, it's really hard for me to get. It's always um, tough to take action. Always tough to take action. Yeah. It, you know, kind of like what you were saying, so much knowledge that each of us as individuals, especially as peak performers, have in our brains. But it's, it's, it's one thing to have the knowledge. It's another thing to act on it. Yeah, absolutely. So just to recap here. Let's not put things off because we're afraid we're going to screw it up. That's great. We talked last time about ready, fire, aim. Yeah. We know a lot more than we think we do. We want to have a prevention focus where we're keeping it in the bumpers, just like at the bowling alley, 
I know you probably have to use those bumpers when you go to bowl run. <laughs> I don't know. You could be an incredible bowler for all I know. <laughs> Anyone that goes uh, and to get his teeth clean is like, yeah, go ahead and pull that too. They're probably incredible with a lot of stuff. So <laughs> you're like the most interesting man on the planet. Uh, we want to have not a promotion focus where we're always chasing after pleasure and approval and seeking that honor that's not long lasting. Mm-hmm. It will burn out. It will fade. And you're not going to find that from every task that you're in. We want to have a prevention focus to where we're actually preventing certain things from coming into our mind or coming onto our plate. Yeah. Also get the feelings out of the way. Again, easier said than done, but we, we have to do things to ignore our feelings. That's putting good systems in place, good habits in place. Charles Duhigg's book on habits is just a great, great book that talks a lot about emotions and feelings and how if you lock in the right things systems are the right habits that are just done over and over and over. Feelings suddenly disappear. Or they're put so far back in your mind that they don't really surface, you know, in the same way. And then the third thing is we just said, you know, you could be putting things off because they're hard, boring, or otherwise unpleasant. So let's implement that if then statement. So one last thing that I want to get to as we wrap up here, the strangest secret, you mentioned that a few weeks ago, and we don't have time today to go through some of the notes that I took, but you inspired me to go back and listen. Uh, well, I hadn't read it. That was the thing. I'd, I'd never read the book. I had it on like, I had it saved as one of my audible wish list things or whatever, but I went and downloaded it. It was actually a revised version where Earl Nightingale is actually speaking. Yeah. And he revised some of the notes and commentary in there and gave some more feeling and and reason behind it. But one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys as we wrap up here this morning is just this uh, idea of five traits of mentally healthy people. And I thought that'd be a good thing to leave you guys with. And I'll I'll probably cover it more whenever I go through the notes on The Strangest Secret. But I'd encourage you guys to get that book for sure. So number one is there's a wide variety of sources of gratification. Talking about gratification last week, right? Yep. If your only interest out there is your job, or if your only friend is a single friend, those things are not going to last forever. Yeah, and if you have a bad week or a bad day at work, if you got nothing else to pour your heart into. There's nothing to fall back on when things don't work out. Yeah. So let's have many things going on. There's a wide variety of sources of mentally healthy people. Number two is flexibility under stress. Though that's a very broad statement, but rolling with the punches, he says, is one of the keys that most mentally healthy people have locked in. Feelings, emotions that we just talked about, they don't let them bother them a lot. They're resilient and they keep rolling with it, okay? Number three is recognition and acceptance of limitations and assets. We've got to be real with ourselves when we're in over our head on certain things or our assets are not there in the same way that they should be to take on certain things. That way we never get in over our head. We don't get too far ahead of ourselves as business owners. We are controlled, we are systematized, and we have a real feeling of what our limitations and assets are. We ask for help when we need it. We outsource. Outsource, we delegate, ask for help when we need it. We're not prideful. Mentally strong people know that. Uh, And then number four, you treat people as individuals. I've got a piece of paper here on my desk from Rusty Lion Academy. Uh, Robert Mallon and Bill Watkins over at the Rusty Lion Academy. They're life coaches, business coaches, but I've got a printout here from one of their newsletters and it's talking about uh, basically just two types of leaders in the workforce. One type of leader is just ruthless. I think they describe it where you your bottom, bottom line is the most important thing, but you do it at the cost of relationships. Employees. People are not really people. People yeah. are just 
assets or commodities that you can move and shift and whatever you need to do. So we treat people as as individuals, mentally healthy people understand and care about others' feelings while keeping the bottom line intact is what they would go on to say in that in that article. And then the last one here that I'll wrap up with is they keep active and productive. They don't feel driven to prove themselves. That's that promotion focus, right? They don't feel driven to prove themselves to everyone else. If they're chosen as a leader, it's because they did the things that were required to put them in that leader's chair Mm -hmm. from just a pure motivation standpoint of getting good things done, not because they tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to catch someone's eye. They look really good. They put on a show, they get put in the leader's chair, and then they fail miserably, which we've seen some CEOs out there do before. They knew somebody or they knew of somebody, they impressed them somehow, they became CEO, all of a sudden, profits are going through the floor, they don't know how to save it, and they would come back and admit, hey, I I wasn't the leader for that job, and I didn't recognize it, you know. So guys, we hope you go out and have a great week this week, and uh, again, 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time today, Michael McGreevy will be right here in this office, uh, coach from Buffalo, New York. Uh, He also has a group called Fathers, Husbands, and Leaders on Facebook, Great, great guy, and I look forward to bringing his message of success starts at home and creating a bigger vision for yourself out there and sharing his story. If you guys have any questions or thoughts for us, email us info at success101podcast.com or catch us in the world of social media on Facebook and Instagram for me at success101podcast on Twitter at Warren Jared and Jordan, you're over on Facebook and LinkedIn as well. Yep. I'm, I'm back on the Instagram train too. Oh, yeah. What is your... What is your... My handle? Yeah. The Duke of Earls. Wouldn't ask for anything less from you, man. <laughs> the Duke of Earls. Yeah, I, I should have known that because we're connected there. So I've seen it come through. But uh, Duke of Earls over on Instagram. Go check him out. We'll be sharing everything here in show notes over on the blog, success101podcast.com forward slash blog. Go out and get your Organifi green juice success101podcast.com forward slash green juice and promo code success101 all lowercase can't stress that enough and i hope you guys have an incredible week go rock it out awesome thanks guys 